Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. Grab your Bibles and let's go ahead and turn to Mark 4 this morning. You know, I, I hopped on Time Hop this morning and first thing that popped up was Life Church says goodbye this morning, a farewell again to Pastor Eddie and Amanda. I guess this was the last sermon there. And I thought, man, I remember that day. I remember thinking, I've already said goodbye to them once and I'm saying goodbye to them again, never knowing that I would be in, end up here. Um, getting to serve alongside them. And so isn't it neat how God just weaves your journey and takes you places that you never thought you would be? I never thought I'd live in Murfreesboro. Moving to Tulsa was hard enough. Um, But living here in Murfreesboro, we get to be close enough to home to miss it real bad, you know. So I did get to go home see my parents yesterday, and and that was a great treat. But we're going to talk today about having peace in in the midst of a storm. And... You know, a lot of us at different times in our life, we get to walk this out a little more than others sometimes. So we're just going to take a look this morning and, and take a little journey in to see a situation here in Mark 4 that the disciples were experiencing. Mark 4, verse 35, and this is the word this morning. We want to honor the word. It says this, that day when evening came, he said, Jesus, to his disciples, let us go over to the other side and leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was there in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Everybody say sleeping. The disciples woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? These disciples, they're experiencing a great storm, and sometimes we can identify with them. Amen? Let's pray today. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word is transformative, God. Thank you that your word is life and truth. It's a guide to us. Now, God, today I pray that this would be a mirror to us, Lord, that as we look into your word today, we're going to see things in our own life, Lord, that we can develop, that we can change, that we can grow, God, to be more and more like you, to be a more effective witness for your kingdom. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right, you may be seated. Thanks this morning. You know, a lot of times in life we find ourselves in the same situations just like these disciples. We're in the boat. We think everything's fine. We're with Jesus But just being with Jesus didn't promise that a storm wasn't coming, did it? And so these disciples were there. Jesus is asleep. Obviously, they're doing the things that they did in the boat all the time, talking, chatting. And all of a sudden, the winds start coming in a little stronger. The waves start getting a little more choppy. They start seeing the splash up against the side of the boat, and pretty soon the water's coming into the boat. They're getting fearful. They're getting worried. They're getting troubled. And they see that Jesus is not helping out. And they get to the point where they see him and they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? You know, a lot of times we're like that. We're trapped in fear. We're trapped in doubt. We're trapped in worry. We're trapped in disbelief. These things are coming our way. We think everything should be good. We got Jesus with us. 
But these things are still coming our way. You know, when life is tough. Anybody ever been through tough experiences before? Tough circumstances. And things are swirling all around us, just like these waves, just like these winds. It's really easy to allow fear to creep in. Fear wants you to to experience doubt. Fear comes in to rock your belief in what you know. So it's really easy to allow fear to creep in and dominate your thoughts, to take your mind off the things of God and really allow that control that you think you have all of a sudden to be yielded to fear. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? You know, fear comes in many forms. It's subtle sometimes. Sometimes it's very strong. It's catastrophic events. But, you know, we have a real enemy out there. And his goal is to steal from us, to kill us, and to destroy us. And one of his greatest tactics is bringing fear into our life. You know, a lot of times it doesn't even have to be something that happens right away. It could be the dread that something is coming. You know, my grandfather in the South, we're professional worriers, aren't we? We're professional fear folks, right? My grandfather, I loved him. He loved me. He called all the time. Um, He probably liked me a little more than my brother, which was a little troubling sometimes because he would sometimes take my side, all right? I was the baby of the family. Anybody else the baby of the family, right? Everybody takes up for the baby, right? Well, you know, my grandfather, he would call and... um, we would stay home during the summertime, and when my brother started driving, he would call and he'd say, now, you boys aren't going out this road today. I hear the train coming, right? He said, don't go this way. If you hear it, don't go this way. I mean, he just worried that we would be out driving together and we wouldn't see the train coming. You know, he was a professional worrier about things that really weren't even going to happen. I'd say, nah, Pa, we're going to stay home today. We're not going anywhere. Or if we do go out, we'll go out the other way. We had two different roads that could get us to town. And so he was just a professional worrier. But you know what? I watched him worry. And I watched what it did to his life. You know, it, it got to the point where he got on to later stages in his life. He, he got really scared about things. And he always worried about people coming and stealing from him. And uh, it just amazed me to see that worry in operation in his life. He's probably my poster child worrier that I've ever seen. Anybody that would worry as much as my pa did, all right? Um, but you know what? In the natural, we might have fear. But to everything in the natural, God has a supernatural answer. He has something for us to combat the things that we experience in the natural, and that's peace. And that's what we're talking about today, peace in our storm. So we're going to look at peace today. You know, peace should be a way of life of every believer. You know, and what we're going to do today, we're going to just hold up the mirror to ourselves today, okay? I'm not talking about your neighbor. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking about your friend that you know is a worrier. I want us to look at ourselves today when we're talking about this. Peace should be a way of life of every believer. You know, we're no longer strangers to peace because of what we have received through salvation. Amen? Let's look over here at Romans 5. 1 and 2. It says this. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, that's our belief, that's our confidence, that's our expectation that we have been made right with God. What does it say? We have peace. Everybody say peace. Peace Peace through God, with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a point in our life before we knew him that we were not at peace with God. 
we were at enmity with God because of our sin. Our sin kept us from being able to be in a relationship with God. But when we experience salvation and we ask Jesus to come into our life and forgive us of our sins and change our old nature and become new like they sang about this morning, we have peace with God. So as believers, this should be our way of life. Did you know that everywhere we go as believers, because this is our way of life, we should walk in peace because peace is our message Everywhere we go, look at the conflict that's all around the world in nations who do not have God as their focus. Our nation experiences conflict today because we've lost God as our focus many times. So when we walk in peace, when we appropriate the peace that God has for us, it is our message. Look over here at Ephesians 6. We know this. Every day I pray this with my girls as we go to school. We put on the whole armor of God and we pray this and we speak this over our lives. Verse 15 in Ephesians 6 says this about our armor. And having shod your feet or put on our feet the preparation of the gospel. What is the gospel? It's a message. It's a message. It's something you go out and deliver having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, the message of peace. Peace is our message, amen? Amen. You know, over and over again, you see in the epistles, the writers writing to all those different churches, and many times, over and over and over again, their greetings were what? Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Or they would sign their letter, and they would wish them grace and peace be upon them. So when we think about peace, why are we the body of Christ? Christ's very body, following too many times the way of the world and living in fear rather than living in peace. I want you to think about your week this week. How much did you operate in worry? How much did you operate in fear? How much did you operate in peace? All right, that's the mirror we're looking at this week. You know, I can tell you, some weeks, if I'm looking in this mirror, it's not what I want to see that week. You know, we had an opportunity last night um, to experience peace or experience worry, all right? And so we had several folks this weekend, uh, you know, Saturday night, start calling in, I'm sick, I can't come tomorrow. And I believe them, okay? I'm not doubting that they're sick. But all these things start coming. I I can't be there in the morning. We're thinking about all these spots we have to fill in our children's ministry because we have a lot of kids, all right? And so we could get in worry. We could get in fear. We could get stressed, you know, or we can operate in peace. And so hopefully, you know, at times yesterday, we weren't operating in peace, all right? Sarah and I, we were not operating in peace in that. I'm just being real with you, you know? But that's something minor, right? What about when the bills are due and you don't have the money for it? Or the refrigerator tears up? Or the AC unit goes out? Or your kids are in rebellion? They're not doing things you want them to do. You find out those things that they shouldn't have been doing. You know, Where are we at in that? Do we operate in peace? Are we in worry? Are we in doubt? Are we in fear? You know, being on staff at a church uh, brings some interesting situations into your life. Some things that, 
you might have never experienced unless you were on staff at a church, all right? Um, when I was in a, a youth minister at Trinity, um, you know, we got put on call after a few weeks being there, and I'm young. I hadn't been in ministry. I'd served as a volunteer, but volunteers don't do everything pastors do, okay? I can tell you that. <laughs> um, volunteers help and serve, but pastors are the ones that sometimes get those phone calls in the middle of the night. And I remember several different phone calls that I got. I remember getting a phone call one time that one of our youth kids had had a motorcycle accident. And I was on call and I needed to go to the hospital. And I went. Mama was hysterical. Okay? And you can imagine so. I mean, this is her child. This is her pride and joy. Her investment in life is here. Injured, hurting, bleeding, crying, screaming. And I'm going into this room. To pray with them. Can you imagine the feeling of inadequacy? I mean, I was young. I, I can't even remember. I, 2004, what was I? 29? 29, I'm, I'm young at 29, I guess. <laughs> um, and then I remember another time. Now, this one was harder. This one was a lot tougher because I had a personal connection to this. I got called to the hospital to come because a friend of ours had been out with some of her friends and had, she dove into a pool a shallow pool, head first, and broke her neck. And I remember going to the hospital that night, walking into that room. Uh, Her mother worked on staff with us. And this girl was a friend of ours who we had ridden around town with, went to eat, did life with her. And I think, what in the world am I going to do? What am I going to say? What can I pray that will make a difference in this situation. You know, and you walk in, this mama, she was upset too. She was upset, but there was something different about her. She had a different experience and relationship with God that when she sees something this tragic, she is speaking words of life over this situation. And then I sat one night in a room with a precious family whose mother was dying. She was elderly. She knew she was ready to go home and meet Jesus. And I watched this lady take her last breaths. I watched this family speak to her and say, it's okay, Mama. You can go on. It's okay. We love you. And I look at all three of those situations and you find people at different levels of peace. One where there's absolutely no peace, there's hysteria. One where there should be hysteria, but this family, they're speaking life. And then there's one where you just see the peace of God envelop everybody in that room. And you watch the saint slip on over into heaven. And you see peace and you experience it. And there are no words. I'm grateful that I was there. I'm grateful I got to experience every one of those situations. Because it helped me to see that you never know what people are going to experience. But God has peace available in every one of those situations. Even though they were emotional, some of them had this underlying peace. But there were also those situations where anxiety, worry, fear absolute dread has crept into the hearts of people. So you know what I would do? In those situations, I would go in. I remember uh, the, the girl that broke her neck, our friend. 
And I remember the boy that had the motorcycle accident, and you go in as a pastor, and they're looking to you to pray something awesome that changes the situation, and you want to as a pastor. You're like, God, you have really got to do this this time. You know, and you just go in with faith and you hook up and you believe and you pray. And I would pray, oh God, let them have peace. God, I pray that more peace would come to this room, that their thoughts would be covered with your peace, that their mind would be focused on you, that they would know peace. And you know what? I thought I did a really good job. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I'd pray as I felt led. And that's what we do. That's what we do in the natural. But you know, there are some circumstances that we can't wait around for peace to come in that moment. We have to be in peace before the situation comes. You know, regardless of how we prayed in those situations, sometimes people just weren't in the right place to experience peace. Have you ever been in that situation? You just weren't in the right place to experience peace. So how do we get to that place where we can experience peace, that we can have peace, that we can grow in it and develop it and see it come to pass? You know, a few years back I was listening to um, a sermon at, at Rhema. They just had Winter Bible Seminar um, last week, and I try to hop on and listen. But a couple years back I heard a sermon that one of our Bible teachers uh, was preaching, and it kind of messed with me. You know, you don't get on there to be messed with. You get on there to shout, right? You get on there and go, yeah, that's good. That's good. But there are some of those Bible teachers who like to mess with you. Like Pastor Eddie, right? You know, he just does that every once in a while. There are things that God tells him to say and it just messes with you. Amen. Anybody ever been there? Am I talking to the right people? All right, here, listen, I was a third grade teacher. I need some interaction, okay? I need that, okay? So it's all right. It's all right this morning, okay? But this is what he said. He made a comment that really challenged me in this whole realm of peace that I'll never forget. And it really changed the way I prayed. It changed the way I saw God's peace. And this is what he said. He said, you cannot pray for peace. Okay? You cannot pray for peace. Now, how many of you that messes with you already this morning? That messed with me, okay? You cannot pray for peace, all right? We know there are promises in the Word of God that we can pray for. We can pray for healing. The Bible says to lay hands on people and pray. The prayer of faith will save the sick and raise them up, right? There are certain things we can pray for. Salvation. We have to pray for salvation. But here's the thing. This really bothered me, and so I wanted to prove this guy wrong. Okay? You know, yes, I can pray for peace. I've always prayed for peace. What do you mean I can't pray for peace? I prayed for peace in every one of these situations. Peace comes when we pray for it. But you know what? Some things don't come just by prayer in our lives. Some things come as we mature and as we grow up. As we experience some situations and we're given the opportunities and the choices in life to determine whether we follow God in it and operate according to God's principles. And so when I began to look at this, at all the times that peace is mentioned and something related to the life of the, of the believer, here's what I found. Peace is not something that we can receive like salvation, like healing, or being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's not. All right, we're going to find some scriptures today that tells us how to operate in peace. But peace is not something that can be imparted through the laying on of hands, okay? You just can't really go up to somebody and say, 
peace be upon you, peace into you, not like healing. You know, we can pray, God, I pray that the healing power of God's imparted into their body right now, okay? Peace is not that. Peace cannot be received by someone by praying the prayer of agreement with you, all right? So let's look at this, okay? I know y'all are getting nervous, all right? You're getting real nervous. You're probably thinking, man, you hired this guy? All right, well, I'm going to prove it to you today, okay? Let's look over here at John 14. John 14. This is what it says in John 14, verse 26. You know, Jesus left us peace, okay? He left peace with us. This is what it says, John 14, 26. But when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, um, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Now look at this. Peace I leave. He didn't say, I'm going to give you a little dose of peace right now, and then every time after that that you pray, I'm going to give you some more peace. He said, peace I leave. He didn't say a measure of peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give to you. Let not not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Jesus gave us peace when he left and the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit is peace. And so we have peace. Peace. He gave us peace through the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. We have to abide with the Holy Spirit. If we're out here operating outside of God's guidance and outside of our relationship with Him, we have no promise of peace. We have to operate together with Him. Jesus gave us that peace that we need in our life. And the Holy Spirit is what helps us to operate in it. Look over here at Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Paul is writing to the Philippian church and he gives us a picture of what the function of peace will do in our life that Jesus left for us. Okay? If he gave it to us, how's it going to function? Well, let's look at this. Philippians 4, verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. And again, I say rejoice. Man, we must be thick-headed if we need it twice, right? What's that word? Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Here's its function. It will guard you. It will guard your heart and your mind, okay? Now, here's my question. If you want peace, do you want just a little bit that you pray in every time? Or do you want the full operation of peace standing as a guard? Because you can have a little guard or you can have a giant guard of peace, amen? And so when we understand that Jesus left all the peace that we need, we just have to saddle up and get with it and get together with peace, then our mindset's going to be a little bit different, amen? What is the function of peace? Peace will guard you. So if Jesus left us peace and we see this function is to, of peace is to guard our hearts and minds, then why are so many of us living without it? Okay? If we could pray it in, then why don't we have it? Okay? I told you there's some things that work in the, in the kingdom of God as we mature. 
and as we begin to function according to his principles. And that's what we have to do in this. Peace comes as a result of being in proper position with God. Okay? If you don't get anything else this morning, I want you to get this. Peace comes as a result of being in proper position with God. All right? It's all about position. It's all about our relationship. When we are in close fellowship with the Father through prayer, through reading his word, through worship, with communion with him, we can have peace. But here's the flip side of that, okay? When we're not connected to him, the very opposite of peace can grip our life. Y'all know what happens. If you don't spend time reading your Bible, if you're not praying, if you're not fellowshipping with him, if you're not singing and making melody in your heart and times come, what even happens? You feel guilty for even asking God to do something on your behalf, right? Because you know that that relationship there is not going so well because you have removed yourself out of the position where you need to be, out of fellowship with Him. So you see, when we're not closely connected to God and circumstances or these situations arise, it doesn't matter how much you pray for peace, you're not promised it, okay? This is one of those mature things. You've got to grow up a little bit. You've got to start walking in some of these things. The problem here is not a lack of God's supply of peace. Okay? Jesus gave it all. It doesn't matter if God can get it to you or not. It's already been given. All right? It's not a lack of supply on God's part. The problem is that we are out of position in order to function in peace. Our level of intimacy and relationship with God determines the level of peace that we're going to experience in our life. Our level of intimacy, our level of closeness, our level of developing our faith and our relationship with God is going to determine this level of peace that we can experience. If you have not made the deposits, if you've not started growing in God, you're not promised a great measure of peace. Okay, And people flounder in life like that all the time. They're wondering why God is not doing something in their situation. Well, what are you doing in the situation that you had before the circumstance arrived? Okay, That's where we've got to look. You know, it's sort of like asking Mark Zuckerberg for $100,000. You know, the Facebook guru guy that some of y'all put on Facebook lately that you signed up for him to give money to you? Did anybody do that? Okay, did y'all see that? You know, if I wanted $100,000 from this guy, is he going to give this to me? No. Who are you is what he's going to say, right? Who are you? Because I have no relationship with him. But you know what? If you're one of his kids, you probably don't even have to ask if you can use his money. You can just operate in it. Same thing with God. Because we have that relationship. We have that fellowship with him. We don't even sometimes have to ask him for it. We just get to operate in it. Amen? And that's the greatness about being in the kingdom of God. His promises are true. So how do we get into position to live in peace? Well, we go back to Philippians 4. All right? Go back to Philippians 4. Verse 4 tells us how do we get into position to live in peace. Verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. The first thing you've got to do to be in position for peace, you've got to be a rejoicing person. Okay? Now, this ebbs and flows with me, okay? Because I can do this sometimes really good. I can speak good things, I can rejoice, I can be glad, but then all of a sudden, pff, something comes in. 
And I can, I can see the negative side of things sometimes, and I can be critical. Anybody else? Okay. I don't know why I don't, I don't like that part of me, and I, I, I flip over to that every once in a while. Can I be real with you? Okay. I flip over to that sometimes because I see things in a different way. And I, my mouth is not rejoicing in those situations, okay? The opposite. Come on, you know it. It's what? Complaining. Complaining, all right? But the first thing to get in position to peace is to be a rejoicing and joyful person. The second thing is in verse 5. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men. Not your harshness. Not your unwillingness to help. So the second thing we have to do is to be considerate of others. Here's what happens when we do that. We get our focus off of our own problems, okay? When you start getting your focus off your own problems, off your own worries, off your own fears, off your own doubts, and you become considerate of others and you get your focus on them, man, look at the peace that you begin to operate in. You're not stuck and bound in worry. You're not stuck and bound in dread or fear or doubt. You get to serve others and peace is the position you find yourself in. Verse 6 says the third thing. Verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So verse 6 says, Ask without worrying if you receive. That's the third thing. Rejoice, be a joyful person, be considerate of others, and ask without worrying if you receive. You know what that does? That lightens the load. If you know God is going to operate on your behalf, that when you ask, he will do it because you ask in faith, doesn't that take the load of worry off? And peace just settles right down on and in the midst of your situation. So ask without worrying if you will receive. Nothing can separate us from God. You know that. The Bible says to cast all of our cares upon him. He cares for us. Matthew 6 says nothing can even be added to your life by worrying. So why do we do it? Why do we do it? Verse 6 also says, pray in every situation with thanksgiving. So those were the four things. Be a rejoicing person. Be a rejoicing person. Be considerate of others. Ask without worrying. And pray in every situation with thanksgiving. Here's the person that is in worry and fear. God, please come into this situation. I need you to do something here in this, the midst of this situation. I'm not sure if you will or not, but God, I'm asking you to. Would you please come on in and do something about this situation? Here's the other thing. A person who knows God and operates in peace, they're not going to pray the same way. They're going to say, God, I know there's not enough money in my bank account this month, but you have promised that you will open up the windows of heaven. You will pour out blessing there's not room enough to contain and you'll rebuke the devourer for my sake so God I thank you it's coming I thank you it's coming I'm not going to worry I'm not going to fear I'm not going to doubt I'm not going to dread because I know you have peace for me to operate into so I'm going to put myself in that position I'm going to thank you Lord that you have it for me amen that's the difference all right when we are connected with God something different comes out of our mouth doesn't it You see what's going to happen when you do these things? You put yourself in the proper position for God to do his part in your life. And God's word suddenly becomes active. It becomes active. You're no longer begging for peace. You're operating in it. He left it for you. He left the Holy Spirit for you to get right behind and allow him to be your guide and walk with him in life. And verse 7, go on down there. It says, the peace of God will be a guard over your heart and your mind. 
So when you're in proper position, you don't even have to pray for it anymore. The peace of God is already going to be there. It's going to guard your heart, your mind. Verse 8 says, put your mind on the right things. Get your mind off the worry. Get your mind off the fear. Take the word of God and put your mind on that. The Bible says he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are fixed, are stayed, uh, that remain on him. Where's your mind? Is your mind on the problem or is your mind on the solution? On God. Peace will come. Verse 9. I love this part. It says the very God of peace will be with you. Jesus left peace. Who's here with us now? The Holy Spirit. When we operate and we position ourselves, the God of peace, who is the Holy Spirit, is right there in the middle of your situation. He is with you. You know, we can cultivate peace as we grow in God. All right. How many of you know the fruit of the Spirit? Hopefully you learned that in children's ministry, right? Shameless plug. If you want to get involved, come help us out. All right. We can cultivate peace as we grow in God. By staying connected to him and allowing our relationship with him to grow, to flourish, we can begin to live out the fruit of the Spirit. And we know this, Galatians 5, 22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. What's your fruit of peace looking like? Is it dry and withered up? Is it flourishing? Is it reproducing? Are you reproducing peace in the lives of others? Okay. You know what? We can stop responding to fear. And we can allow peace to rule our life. We don't have to respond to fear. We can allow peace to rule our life. Look at this, Colossians 3, verse 12. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Is God going to do that for us or do we have to do that part? We have to do it. That's that maturity thing that we're talking about. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And look at verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let it rule. Let it have dominion. Quit trying to take over the place of peace by worrying. Quit trying to take over peace, the job of peace, by worrying over the top of it. It's there. Just settle down on in, in, into it and allow peace to rule your life. Allow peace to rule your life in your hearts, all right? Sort of like this. If y'all humor me just a few minutes, uh, Richard, would you hand me those umbrellas there? I'm going to pick on Chris and Shelly today. Come on up here. And I need Pastor and Amanda to come up here. They don't know they're doing this. Surprise! Okay? (laughs) If you'll uh, also hand me uh, that box there, okay? Now, I get to work next door to Miss Shelly, okay? She's so blessed to be able to work next door to me. Chris, would you hold that there? Y'all want to come on up here and... um, you get the fun part, okay? Oh, yes. All right. So this is sort of like what worry is. Oh, no, you don't get to stand under there with him. You don't get to stand in there with him. You don't get to stand under there with him. You get this one, okay? But here's what peace is. Remember, peace will guard you. Peace will guard you. This is God right underneath here, the Holy Spirit. 
operating as peace. What we have to do, we have to position ourselves under this guard, right? But too many times we're like this. I've got my own umbrella. I'm going to do this my way. I know that I can shield myself from every storm coming my way when worry, doubt, fear, and dread comes. I've got it, but here's what we do. A lot of times this is a real false picture of what occurs. This is peace. This is fear and worry right here. And here's what happens in our life. I want to throw some of these out like problems. All right? Throw these at peace. Throw these at worry here, all right? When the bills are coming due, when things are going wrong, when trouble is all around, when things are going wrong, we can either experience peace. It just bounces right off of us. Look at that. Or we can have problems fill up our life. And you think about this in the natural. What if we took an umbrella out into the rain, held it upside down, it's going to get heavy. And isn't that what worry is? Worry is heavy. Y'all are enjoying this. Man, I better get down here and I better get saddled up with peace, all right? So I'm not going to get hit by these problems in life, amen? Thank you, guys. Awesome. You know, we do not want to be operating like this. We don't want that umbrella turned upside down, catching all of life's problems. We want to be positioned with peace so that when problems come and they hit, they come toward us, peace is going to be a guard and it's just going to bounce off of our life. And we can walk and operate in peace. I want you to look at Psalm 91. Here's what you got to do. You've got to get your confession changed. You've got to get some things in your life a whole lot different. We've got to start speaking the word of God. We've got to start praying. We've got to start operating together with God. And I want us to look at Psalm 91 as a personal confession, okay? I think if you'll go on to that second one, I'm going to skip this first part of this, all right? Now, here's what I want us to do today. Everywhere there's an, uh, a you... Go ahead in your Bible sometime and change that to either I or me, okay? And put yourself into that situation. Where there's a your, change it to my, all right? And let's read it like this, as a personal confession. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and Him I will trust. That's changing who we're looking to right there automatically, isn't it? We're not focusing on the problems, the worries. We're focusing on the Lord. Verse 3, it says this. Come on, read it with me. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. And He shall cover me with His feathers and under His wings... I shall take refuge. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. I shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, 
nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Now here it is. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked. Now look at this part. Take it today. Because I have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, my dwelling place, no evil shall befall me. No plague can come near my dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. In their hands they shall bear me up, lest I dash my foot against a stone. I shall tread on the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. I shall trample underfoot. Now this is the best part. I love this part. When you do that and you position yourself into the place that you need to be, this is what God says about you, verse 14. Because he, because you, 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 and you, have set your love upon him. God says, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Doesn't that sound like the proper position for peace to operate in your life? Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.